2 Kings. Hallelujah. If I asked you to identify who God's chosen people are, I hope you'd look me square in the eye and say, you're looking at one of them. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm going to talk about God's chosen people today. 2 Kings 18. And I hope somebody comes away from this. I'm going to try to cover a lot of territory here in a little bit of time. Knowing how blessed you really are. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to have understanding of it. Lord, remove every bit of falsehood, every... Lord, everything that has been given that is not your word, God, just help us to focus in on what you have said. Bless your word to our hearts and lives. Lord, let it help somebody today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Second Kings 18, verse 1 says, Now came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Hey, that matters. Don't tell me what you believe. Just go ahead and do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Amen. If you really believe it, you're going to live it. Amen. Well, praise God. Look what he did. He removed the high places. He break the images and cut down the groves. Break in pieces the brazen serpent. Hey, you remember we talked about there in uh, Revelation and talked about Jesus' feet being like bronze or brass. Amen. And, and we told you that is kind of a symbolism of, of judgment because the, 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 altar at the where the sacrifice for sin was was given in the temple in the tabernacle that was a brazen altar and here again we see that brass serpent being representative of sin and judgment for sin well he break in pieces now i get that he removed the high places i get that he break that broke the idols the images he cut down those groves those green trees that they were worshiping by but he break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For in those days the children did burn incense unto it. And he called it Nehushtan. You know what that means? It means just a piece of brass. He trusted in the Lord of Israel so that after him was none like him in all the, among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. God bless you. You can be seated. You can see really just by the way the Lord gives us this, how excited he was for somebody who was willing to follow him and pay the price. Hezekiah moves in and, and in his repentance, if you will, in the leadership of Israel or of Judah, he breaks down the idolatry and and said, we're not going to have any of this anymore. We're going to make some changes. That's real walk with God. When you start making some changes, when you go home and say, okay, we're going to throw this out. We're done with this. Amen. We're, we're, we're going to go ahead and live for God. Sometimes there's some difficult decisions you've got to make. I can't imagine that it might have, it might have been a little tough to look at something that really meant something at one time. Amen. This brazen serpent, if you remember, the children of Israel began to sin. They were complaining and finding fault another time and talking about going back to Egypt. And God got so angry that he sent fiery serpents into the camp to bite them. And as judgment, as anger and punishment for their sin. Amen. Don't. Don't give me this idea that, oh, that Old Testament God, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that same God today will love righteousness and hate sin. And he'll bring judgment. He'll bring those serpents into your life to, to, to vex you. And, but uh, Moses cried out and said, Lord, have mercy. And uh, God gave him a very, it, it, it seems if you don't really understand how your Bible's laid out, it seems very 
odd to me. But some people might say, well, what is he? Is that some kind of, uh, you know, I thought God hates images and idols. But God said, I've got an image, the image of the invisible God. And this is going to point to that. Amen. He said, I want you to take a snake, the same thing that's biting you, the same thing that's punishing you, the, the, the representation of judgment against sin. And I want you to lift it up on a pole. And everybody that goes and looks to that, they're going to live. Amen. And really, again, if you don't recognize that all the Old Testament, the types, the shadows, the, the layers, if you will, are pointing to Jesus. I say, why would God do something so, so odd? But it's all pointing to the cross. John 3. Jesus, in that same context where he says, for God so loved the world, just Two verses back from John three sixteen, he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up yes. that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus became the very representation, became the very embodiment of our sin and our punishment. Yes. Amen. Yes. And when we look to him in repentance, yes. we look to him with a belief that turns away from sin. Amen. When we say, oh, I believe God loves me. I believe he died for my sins on that cross. I believe that is for me. If it's not followed up by a repentance, a turning away from sin, that's a, that's a dead faith. Right. Praise God. But, but this brazen serpent that represented a new covenant, a new, uh, a new birth in Jesus one day, people got their eyes. On something that was the shadow rather than the substance. They got their eyes on, on the, me, the, the gift rather than the giver in some way. You know, they, that's what we tend to do. We get our focus off of Jesus being the center and the theme of our lives so easily. Where Hezekiah, I believe with every bit of God's blessing said, this is enough. This was for your healing. This wasn't an idol. And I don't know that he recognized at that time what a symbol, what a picture it was of Calvary. But he said, you're looking at that more than looking at God that saved you. You're looking at that more than the, than the healer that, that is there for you, the mercy that is there for you. Destroy it. Because it's just a piece of brass. There's a lot of times that uh, in our... In our understanding of the word of God, people get their eyes on things that really aren't drawing them closer to God. One of the things that comes up quite a bit, again, like this piece of brass, is going back. Now, listen, I love every bit of this Bible. And people that say, well, I don't know about the Old Testament. That's God's word. And when you start recognizing that, hey, God gave that to us to teach us and to point us to Jesus had a family member telling me that they were so worked up that they were going to start a Bible study in the book of Leviticus. And I said, listen to me, the book of Leviticus is about Jesus. They said, what? And I said, listen, if that person that's leading that Bible study doesn't make it exciting about, because if it's about Jesus, it ought to be exciting. Amen. And take every sacrifice and every, and show you that it points to Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. They're letting you down. Amen. Let's turn to Colossians, the second chapter. We talked a little bit, kind of mentioned something this morning when we're talking about the hog pen that was over there in Israel. What does the New Testament say about the Old Testament laws? Hallelujah. A lot of times we run into people that feel like, you know what, you're not... uh, they ran into this quite a bit in, in the Bible days, and we still have people that say, you know, you need to go back and start keeping the laws that Moses gave Israel. You need to start considering what day is truly the Sabbath day. You need to consider what that you shouldn't be eating uh, pork. You shouldn't be eating shellfish and catfish, and these things are, are uh, off-limits to the people of God and and uh, I, I just wonder sometimes in their in, in their zeal, I guess you might say, to 
to, to follow the word of God? Do they actually sit down and re- prayerfully read the word of God? So much that we could cover here. I just, I don't want to, but if you have questions, please, please ask. But Colossians 2 is probably one of the clearest places we can look at. It says, in him, that's in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost in a body. Amen. He is God with us. Well, praise God. The fullness, not a part, he's not a part of God. He's not a third of God. He's not a piece of God. He's not one of several persons. He is the person, the man that was filled with all the fullness of divinity. Well, praise God. And it says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And in whom ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now he's talking about the Jews and that, that token of completing or being a, a law Old Testament keeper. He said, you've got what that pointed to in your hearts. You've got that covenant in your heart. Amen. In putting off the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now listen, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Those laws of the Old Testament were contrary to us. They were, thou shalt not or else death. But he said he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. So when you ask me, Do you have a high priest? Oh, absolutely. His name is Jesus. Do you have a sacrifice for your sins? Oh, absolutely. His name is Jesus. Do you have a Sabbath? I guess I do. It's rest in Jesus. Look what it says. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. What does that mean? It means all those powers of hell could only point at humanity under the law and say guilty guilty. You're guilty. Uh, there's a law you're not keeping. You say, oh, I, I, uh, I, I keep a Sabbath day. You turn your lights on on Saturday. Right. You've broken the Sabbath. That's right. Amen. You're causing somebody to have to work. Right. Amen. Right. To light your house, to heat your home. Right. An Orthodox Jew will literally put their refrigerator on Shabbat mode, Sabbath mode, right. so that it does not produce the energy that the rabbi said, if you do this much and no more, you're breaking the law, the commandments. But listen, all those things just point to the fact that we need a savior. It says he blotted them out, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, spoiled principalities and powers that were looking at us in condemnation, made a show of them openly, triumphing over it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. Says, well, you know, the Bible says, I've I've heard people say, you know, if you really want to keep that Bible, go ahead. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't eat shrimp. You wouldn't eat catfish. You wouldn't eat bacon. Well, read your Bible. Read it how it's given to us that the Bible says that let no man judge you now in the after the cross, after the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. You cannot judged. On your holiness by what you put in that meat or that drink or in respect of a holy day. The Passovers, the, the festivals of, uh, of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It says, or of the new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. I, I know... I'll tell you what has happened in America. It's uh, it's become politicized. You know, it's uh, 
the idea that they're trying to take down the Ten Commandments from different walls in our justice system and all, you know, we, we don't, we're not excited about that. We, we're excited about the Word of God. But the fact is, it's kind of almost gotten in our defense mechanism that, hey, if there's anything holy about this Bible, it's going to be those Ten Commandments. Well, let's know what the Bible says about the commandments. They were given to us to point us to Jesus. They were given to us to show us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. First Timothy 4 verse 1 says this, that the Spirit speaketh expressly, clearly. God's Spirit is talking now in this New Testament, First Timothy 4. Verse 1, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed. Now, this ought to get our attention. In the last days, people are departing from the faith, giving heed. They're listening to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That kind of shows me not everybody can be right. When God says, well, there's some people that are preaching doctrines that are inspired of hell. All right. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Right. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. I truly believe that there's a lot of preachers that are preaching lies and they know it's lies. Right. Amen. I, I believe without a doubt they, they're, they're preaching things they know right well aren't in the Bible. Right. Amen. But they know what's popular. They know what gives them a paycheck. Amen. And they're speaking lies in hypocrisy. Help us, Lord. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I believe our conscience can be seared. You can say, you can say no to the Spirit of God trying to tell you, stay away from that sin. That's wrong. That's going to lead you to hell. And pastors and preachers that are telling people lies from their pulpit and their conscience are just hardened over like a callous. Amen. That rather than love people and tell them their sins are going to cause them to be lost for eternity, that's not loving people. Amen. Goes on and says some of these, some of these lies. Forbidding to marry. Now, there were some of the sects of Judaism in the first century that uh, were kind of sort of like monks. God never told them to be monks. Amen. Forbidding to marry. We have Rome now with their priests and their nuns uh, that are 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 to remain single. And and that's that's well, the Bible tells us that that's a a doctrine of devils. Amen. To forbid to marry. Commanding to abstain from meats. Now, a lot of times I'll point again to Rome and the Roman Catholic Church and talk about the whole idea. You don't hear about as much as you used to, but I know back in the day, praise God, I've heard stories, especially in my, my, my parents' generation, how that there was this idea, you can't eat meat on Friday. I felt like I heard the angels. Ooh, God must like what I'm preaching. Amen. So... Ah, uh, hallelujah. The, uh, the idea of forbidding to eat meat on a Friday, that's not in your Bible. Right. Amen. Not a bit of it. Praise God. But, uh, but this idea that the, the old covenant laws were still in place for the, the church of the New Testament, God says that's just not the case. Amen. Because look what it says. Abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. God, God created them to be received with thanksgiving with the, of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Every creation. Amen. You don't have to ask anymore how, uh, about its hoof and about its chewing a cut. Amen. You don't have to ask whether it's got scales or not. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But God created to be received with thanksgiving for every creature of God is good. Nothing to be refused. Nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified, it's made holy. By the word of God and prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I want to turn to the book of Galatians. And I want to look at some of this idea that, that tries to get us back into this old covenant. Hey, it pointed to something. Like that piece of brass. It pointed to something. It pointed to Jesus. And we, we respect it for that, 
But I'll tell you, Paul was pretty adamant. If people started trying to pull you back into keeping the law, he said it was kind of like Hezekiah. Just break that thing down. Break it apart. Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. A lot of times people say, well, works don't matter. And, you know, you're trying to earn your salvation. No, 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 I can't earn my salvation. But a lot of times in the Bible, Paul, when he's talking about works, he's talking about works of the law. He's not saying you ought to live right. He's not saying that God won't produce righteousness in you that will will cause good works to be lived in your life. But a lot of times he's talking about all these Old Testament commandments that were given that really just pointed to Jesus. He said, those things aren't going to produce righteousness in your life. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith. Somebody say faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Get time. I'm going to, I'm not going to, for your, for, for your sake, I'm not going to read the whole book of Galatians. But I could. Because every bit of it. And really, you're hardly going to find any place in Paul's writings and then the New Testament letters to the church that aren't going to proclaim this very clearly that all those Old Testament laws and covenants and the people of God that are from Abraham, Isaac, and in Jacob, it all pointed to a New Testament church that understands Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that understands repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's God's plan. That's not just God's plan for the Gentile. That's God's plan for humanity. Amen. Well, praise God. Verse 20, Galatians 2. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The Old Testament is important. There's a lot of things in there that talk about things that God hates that he still hates today. Amen. When God talks about hating, uh, hating sexual perversion and, and homosexuality, he still hates it. He's the same. When God says he hates cross-dressing, and he, he's still the same. Amen. But listen to me. The, the ceremonial aspects of the law are all pointing to Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received you the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? So we understand this. The commandments. And God did a really good job. You say, well, there's a lot of really sincere Jews that still follow the Old Testament to the letter. How do you have you read the Old Testament? How do you follow it to the letter without a temple, without an altar, without a place of sacrifice? See, when Jesus told them, don't look at this place, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. Amen. Because he said, my judgment, my wrath is going to be poured out and that old covenant is going to be so obliterated, you're not even going to be able to fulfill it, to live it, to obey it. Amen. So what are they doing then? They've got a whole set of laws, rules, and regulations based on rabbis' traditions rather than what the Bible says. They can't tell you really what all the records of who is of the tribe of Zebulun and who is the tribe of Reuben and Gad and Asher. That's all, that's all destroyed. That, all that, that whole system that was put in place to say you you need a savior. You, you can't live holy and righteous without a change of heart has not only been taken out of the way, but it's been destroyed. Galatians three, verse six. Listen to this. We talked about God's chosen people. 
even as Abraham believed God, did you hear that? And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, listen to me. I don't feel like I need to qualify myself. And I recognize there has been a lot of what might be termed anti-Semitism. People showing prejudice, hatefulness towards the Jews. People, and and, uh, this Bible doesn't teach that. Amen, not at all. There's been this idea that somehow when the Jews didn't recognize their Messiah, that the non-Jew or the Gentile has replaced them. And a lot of denominations kind of go for this replacement theology that they're just done with. Can I tell you what's, what's done with the law that says it even matters? Doesn't matter if you can trace your lineage back to Abraham. Amen. It matters if you can trace your life back to the cross. No matter what but what uh, 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 your genealogy is, no matter what nationality is the word I'm looking for, you are. It doesn't matter if you're German or you're Jewish or you have a rabbi in your family or you have a, a horse thief in your lineage. You just need to go to Jesus. That's what this Bible teaches. As Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, The same are the children of Abraham. Did you know the Bible says that by faith we become the children of God through the cross and we are grafted into the family tree. That everything, people quote those verses and say, oh, you know what? They that bless Israel are going to be blessed and they that curse Israel will be blessed. We're a part of that blessing. And it's not just about, oh, because they have a family tree and live any way they want and reject Jesus. It's for the people who are of faith. It always has been. I want to show you that in the Bible. They, you that are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And as the scripture saith, Galatians 3, 8, as the scripture saith, somebody said the Bible says it. For seeing that God would justify the heathen, that's the non-Jew. God would justify them through faith, not through their family tree, through faith. When God was calling Abraham to be that one that would be the father of many nations, he was already saying, hey, there's going to be a people that are made up of all nations. For seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. I want to to tell you something. Like I said, you're not going to hear me say the first thing against the Jewish people, the Israelites. Amen. Got nothing bad to say about it. But I'll say this. Praise God. The same way that I don't uh, I don't try to bash a Catholic person. But I tell you, I want to lead them to Jesus. Amen. Do you do you care about the Catholic people? Sure. I want to see them saved. Do you care about atheists? Sure, I want to see them saved. Do you care about the Jewish people? Sure, I want to see them saved. In thee shall all nations be blessed. The Bible, we, we may get to the scripture here today, but the Bible talks about how all the nations are going to be blessed through Israel because of Jesus. He was the fulfillment of that promise. When God told Abraham, through you and through your, your children, the whole world is going to be blessed. It's not because of the people that are living over there in, in that geographical real estate. Amen. It's because Jesus was born. That's how all the world is blessed. Amen. In these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, that's you and me. Amen. You got faith? Well, then you're blessed with faithful Abraham. Oh, you know, there's this idea that's come around that, oh, if you're Jewish, you kind of got to, if you're, let me put it this way, if you're not Jewish, you're kind of a second class citizen. Eh, you know what, we'll, we'll kind of get in there, but you know, whoo, I'll tell you what, they're the, they're the, they're the cool kids in heaven, right? They're the chosen people. Listen to me. We are brought into this through faith. We are brought into the family of God. Galatians three sixteen. now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not. 
as to seeds, but as many, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed. All the promises about the seed of Abraham is, let me say this again, it's not talking about the people that are living over there in that plot of real estate in the Middle East. It's talking about Jesus. He was the seed that was the fulfillment of the promise, the blessing. It's there. Oh, I wish I could. You know, uh, you know, I wish I could and you know, I wouldn't. But if we could just take every line in this book of Galatians, you'd see it. Verse 24. Some of you, they don't. So just relax. Oh, he's getting closer, honey. I tell you what, I need to get to bed soon. Verse 24. Wherefore the law was what? Our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith. Not justified because you have a lineage, a family tree that goes directly back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and one of the twelve sons of Jacob. But because it goes back to Jesus. We're justified by faith. Because the law, the Old Testament, was bringing us to Jesus. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. Do you get that? Yes, it's that, that simple. Right. We come to Jesus. We're not under the, the teacher, which is the law. Yes. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ, put on Christ. Listen now. Listen to this. Yes. There is neither Jew nor Greek. It's irrelevant. It's a point that is worthless. Because when we come to Jesus, he's not concerned about your physical genealogy. That just pointed us to the fact that we need a bloodline back to the cross. There is neither Jew or Greek, bond or free, neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all saved because of Jesus. It does not matter who we are, where we've come from. God will save you, and you're a part of the family of God. If you be Christ, listen, do you belong to Jesus? That's what that apostrophe S is, possessive. If you be Christ's, if you belong to him, then ye are ye Abraham's seed. Who's chosen people? Who's the sons of Abraham? By faith. And heirs according to the promise. I don't read my Old Testament and say, oh, this is for the Jews and this is for the children of, uh, of Abraham. This is for you and me pointing us to Jesus. Galatians 4, starting in verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Whereunto ye desire to be in bondage? Why would you go back? Now, there's a lot of Bible. There's a lot of Bible that I could talk to you about. People that just talks about the fool. The one that has no wisdom that would just go back to, to sin that God brought. The one that sin that, that, that you said, God, I need free. I don't want to be lost. That sin that, 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 that took away your, your joy and your peace. To turn back to that is foolish. But this, this specific context of this scripture that has been taken out of context so many times. I give you good scriptures for not turning back and looking back. But this is talking about people in the New Testament now all of a sudden thinking they need to start keeping the old, old covenant. They'll start keeping the old laws. Why would you go back to the weak and beggarly elements? Why would you look at the shadow rather than just get in love with Jesus? Let him be your focus. And he goes on. You observe days, months, times, and years. These are all uh, uh, just kind of a summary of keeping the the, the laws, the the Sabbaths, the new moons, the festivals, the holy days that are delineated throughout the, the, the Old Testament. And he said, why would you go back to those? They all pointed to Jesus. It's just so much more exciting having with a substance of what they pointed to rather than going back to those things that are that are weak and beggarly. Galatians 6. Galatians 6, but God forbid that I should glory. Galatians six fourteen. God forbid that I should glory. What he is addressing is the term that is used quite a bit. It's not a Bible term, but it's a, it's a good word to describe those who are trying to bring 
New Testament believers back under the law. And the, the term has been coined the Judaizers, people trying to make the New Testament church more Jewish. They get so excited about trying to bring in some of the tassels and some of the uh, the, the festivals and some of the uh, traditions of the Old Testament. They think, wow, this is really good stuff. And, and the Bible says, but what happens is they, they end up getting this religious pride about them. Right. Kind of acting like they got a little bit more because they're, they're getting this out of the Bible. But they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Right. They're, they're getting things that were shadows that pointed to Jesus. Teach about how they point to Jesus. And then live for God. And live for God. But God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm excited about. That's what makes me excited. This love in the cross of Jesus. By whom the world is crucified unto me. And I unto the world. Hallelujah. For, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new, being a new creation. Amen. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Did you know? And, and so many more scriptures, so many more scriptures we could point to that talk about how, well, we're going to turn to it just a few more. It's not about that family tree or the keeping of those laws and those commandments. But when you come into the family of God through faith, through repentance, turning to God, turning to him in faith, turning away from sin, burying that old life, God is looking at his New Testament church. He said, this is the Israel of God made up of Jew and Gentile, bond and free, whatever you are. It's not doesn't matter anymore. We are God's chosen people through the cross look what it says in romans the second chapter romans 2 romans 2 verse 28 for he is not a jew this idea that there are people in the world that are somehow loosely following kind of sons and daughters of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, following traditions because they have no temple, they have no altar, they have no sacrifice, they have no high priest. Um, it's somehow that, that there's just something... That, that, can I say, Romans 9, I think it is, talks about how special they are because God gave them the commandments. That he gave them the first things. He worked through them, but... but They didn't see Jesus in it. So that's a problem. They have responsibility because it was handed over to them. The Bible talks about the oracles of God, the the, the mouthpiece, the word of God was given to them, but they they walked away from that. The Bible says in Romans 2.28, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. You're looking for the chosen people and there's someone who's following these traditions of Judaism and they, they wouldn't, they'd die before they'd eat a, a pork chop or a slice of bacon or, or, or work on a, on a Saturday until uh, the sun goes down that evening. And you say, there's, that is a Jew. The Bible says what God receives as a Jew is not one that's outwardly. Neither is that of the circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he that is a Jew is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, but whose praise is not of men, but of God. God's got a people that belong to him. Amen. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Philippians 3, verse 1. Philippians 3, verse 1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but to you is safe. This is very harsh language to those who would come into a New Testament church and say, you're not complete in Christ. You have to go back and look at what Moses gave the people and start following those laws. Paul said in the book of Philippians, this is safe for me to tell you, beware of dogs. Wow. Why would he say such a thing? He had a passion and a zeal 
for the word of God. He wanted to make sure people understood, hey, it, it, we need to rightly divide this and get it the way God gave it to us and not frustrate the grace of God. He said, babe, where are dogs that are telling you that you don't have enough by being baptized in his name and filled with his Holy Ghost, that you've got a cross in your life and a walk with God? He says, beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Now, I want to be very sensitive to this word, but he is making a word, basically, taking the idea of them saying, unless you're circumcised as the law of Moses commands, you're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. And that word concision is really a word that just means a mutilator. Beware of these people that would mutilate you and call it Christianity. He doesn't have a lot of patience for them, does he? For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. God's plan for this last day is always been the cross. It's always been his death, burial, and resurrection. It's always been a New Testament church. Especially with the idea of prophecy in these days. There are so-called Christian churches misled, trying to raise money to, to help Israel. Let's make sure they get back to the promised land. That's not helping Israel. Lead them to Jesus. Lead them to preach the gospel to them. Amen. We need to bless them because they're God's children. Hey, you want to be a blessing to anybody? Introduce them to a Savior. That's what this Bible is about. I'm not, uh, I'm not so much against uh, people who have said, well, I, I'd really like to go over there. I'd like to kind of walk on some of those ancient roads where, where Jesus walked in the flesh. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against any of that. A lot of it, when they say, hey, this is exactly where, where the upper room was, yeah, it's all tourism and a lot of Roman Catholicism, really. That has taken over that land said, this is exactly where this well was. And this is exactly, and they're making a lot of money. Amen. On people who are naive, but I've heard, uh, people already that I, I've talked to preachers that I've talked to. Oh, you just go over there and just feel God so much more than, than in a church where people are crying out to God and loving God. Oh, I just, I just want to be a, I just want to have pray one time and, 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 and maybe take communion in the, in the Holy Land. Hey, be careful with that. Well, well, let me turn to it in closing. Revelation, the 11th chapter. Let me tell you how God describes the quote, Holy Land. I remember going into sheets here a couple years back and, uh, it was kind of late at night and I was, just stopping in to, to get some fuel and pay my bill inside, I think. And there's a young man, and he had been going through some things. And I guess he just had been had his heart broken. And he said, I, I just, you know what, I'm going to move to Israel. I'm going to move there where everybody's just kind and godly. And, you know, it's not the way it is. It's not the way it is at all. In fact, the Bible talks about in the Revelation 11 how there's going to be in this last days uh, two witnesses that are going to stand, and God's going to use them in a prophetic way. And and I, I can't answer every question about these two witnesses. They're prophesied about in in the book of Zechariah, and here in Revelation they are again. And the Bible says that they are are, are preaching against this end time falsehood. They're preaching against some of the the. Uh, the, the lies of the Antichrist and and uh, God's using them in a miraculous way and and uh, where they are ministering they they are killed for their their stand they're killed no matter how much God just proves Himself to be real in them that they are killed and the Bible says in Revelation eleven eight their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city and. It says that great city is spiritually, God said, Sodom, called Sodom and Egypt. Well, if I was going to give you God's bottom ten, not top ten, 
of evil places that we see his anger and his wrath, Egypt and Sodom would probably be the worst of the worst. And God says this city where these two men are are murdered and lay in the streets for three days and everybody gazes upon their dead bodies and rejoices as the cameras watch them in the streets. He describes the city that they're in and says, spiritually, they're Sodom. Spiritually, they're Egypt. And then he describes where also the Lord was crucified. That's Jerusalem. Spiritually, God's not saying in the midst of a holy land. He's talking about a land that has rejected. Listen, when they're talking about building a temple and starting another sacrifice, don't think that that's something to be excited about, that these are godly people that want to sacrifice unto a holy God. Every sacrifice that will ever be made from here on out is a slap in the face of God who came and dwelled in flesh to die for our sins. I pray for humanity. I pray for Jews. I pray for for Gentiles, I pray for, for, for everybody that God will put me before them. And, and in God's government, a special place that he would call them and give them these, these words. But without them, without the fulfillment of them, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Listen to me. God's plan up until the last day is to see people filled with his Holy Ghost. To see people freed from sin. To see people washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's not going to be a, a great revival that God is excited about to build a temple and start temple worship again. He said those weak and beggarly elements don't turn back to them. In this last day, church, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the cross. Let God just work through you to show whoever you might meet how great of a God he is today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, hallelujah. This has been one of the biggest mistakes modern Christianity has made. There is this idea. I recently spoke with someone, even in my own family, that was talking about a preacher that they just thought was so great and so amazing and that they see on their television and I tried to explain to them that this, this preacher worth millions of dollars. I didn't say that because I'm guessing. This preacher that's worth millions of dollars has stood up and said, the Jews don't need Jesus as their Messiah. They already have a relationship with God that is valid. And Jesus didn't come to save the Jews. I don't know how someone could tell such a lie without their conscience just being completely seared. Knowing that Jesus came to this world to suffer and die. First in there in Jerusalem, Peter said, take this gospel. Peter stood up there on the day of Pentecost and said, you crucified the Lord of glory. Repent of your sins. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, you're going to start there in Jerusalem. You're going to go all through that area of Judea, where the tribe of Judah was. But not just there. This same gospel is going to go to Samaria, the northern tribes of Israel. But it's also going to go out to the uttermost parts here. This promise is unto you, Jerusalem. This promise is unto you, Judea. This promise is unto you, Samaria, Israel. This promise is unto you, the uttermost parts of the earth, Pennsylvania, America, and around this globe. God has a gospel for you. Don't believe a lie says there's a plan A and there's a plan B for someone who might not be a Gentile. No, no, no. There's one plan. It's Jesus. There's one plan. It's Jesus. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No one like you, God.
special to God, bought with a price. Old Testament. Thank God for the people he used. Thank God for the people that he worked through. But now he's opened up that door. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. What did he mean by that? He was talking about a a New Testament church that wasn't just a Jewish church. It wasn't just a Gentile church. It was a New Testament church of all people. longer Jew or Gentile, bond or free. God's got a people that are born and born again, born in by the water and by the Spirit. Hallelujah. They're His chosen people. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your word. Lead us, God. Now lead us to go forth in your word, God. Lead us to go forth loved and called by you to be your Lord ambassadors. God bless each one. Use us for your kingdom. We love you so much. Keep us safe as we travel, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church.